This is the Stand with Lynette podcast. You have episode 25, Spiritual Coyotes. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to Stand with Lynette. If you're here for the first time, I'm so happy you're here. I hope all of you find something of value in what I have to share today, which is actually kind of a sad story. I'm going to tell you a sad story of something that happened to me just over this past weekend that has got me thinking and has got me applying what I learned two spiritual things, and I think it's a powerful lesson. I know it has been for me as I've been thinking through it and kind of studying it out in my mind and trying to figure out what can I glean from this really sad experience that happened to me just a few days ago. But before I get there, I want to read a testimonial from my Shine 40 Challenge because guess what, my friends? It is open for enrollment today, and I'm going to tell you a little more about it after I read this testimonial from a woman named Brittany who just recently finished the challenge. She said, this challenge was such a great experience. I was able to ponder goals I wanted to make and set up spiritual habits that I knew I should have been doing but needed some motivation to actually make it happen. While I'm still working on cementing a few of the habits, I have improved my spirituality overall and have new habits that are part of my daily life without me having to think about them. I feel like my relationship with Heavenly Father and Jesus has taken more priority in my life than it had been before, and I'm seeing blessings from it all the time. To do this challenge, you need to be ready to put in a bit of a time commitment, but before long, it will become an easy ritual you don't even have to think about, and your life will change for the better. Well, thank you, Brittany, for that awesome review and testimonial of the Shine 40 program. But let me ask you this, dear listener. Do you, like Brittany, want to improve your spirituality, make your relationship with Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ a priority, and change your life for the better? The Shine 40 Challenge, like I said before, is currently open for enrollment, but only for the next five days. It will close at midnight on Sunday, September 18th, and I don't know when I'm going to open it back up again. So what even is the Shine 40 Challenge? It is a 40-day challenge that will help you to develop a series of spiritual habits that are backed by incredible prophetic promises of spiritual protection, open windows of heaven, increased personal revelation, greater peace, more joy, and so much more. 40 days may seem like a big commitment, and I don't want to minimize that. It is a big commitment, but it is also long enough to create lasting spiritual momentum and bind yourself to the Savior in a way that will support you through the temptations and storms of life. Women from all walks of life have completed the challenge and experienced dramatic spiritual growth from moms of new babies to moms of young children to moms of teenagers to empty nesters. No matter your stage of life, it will work for you if you are ready to commit to showing up for the Lord. My favorite part is that it comes with a free buddy pass that will allow you to choose an accountability partner. Whoever you would like to go through the challenge with, you can do that for no additional charge. And that then not only will you both experience dramatic increase in your chances of sticking to the challenge, but also you will have a dramatically better shot of getting the results you desire. 
You can learn more about the Shine 40 Challenge and sign up with the link right below this in the show notes, and I hope to see you on the inside. Now let's get to today's sad story that happened in my family over the weekend. First, let me give you a little bit of background. In my neighborhood where I live in the Phoenix area, we often see some wildlife. We see coyotes roaming the neighborhood. We see bobcats from time to time. We see rattlesnakes. There are hawks that live nearby that circle around and sometimes try to pick little animals up from off the ground. We have two little dogs that are, one's about 10 pounds and one's probably about 15 pounds. And we've known about the coyotes who are roaming the neighborhood. I have seen them myself a few months ago we were out of town and we have a lady who comes over and stays at our house and watches the dogs when we leave and at one point while we were gone two coyotes came onto our back porch and she hurried the two little puppies inside and luckily they were safe not a couple of weeks after that our friends down the street also have a little dog who was killed by a coyote. We saw a bobcat jump over our neighbor's back fence just a couple of weeks ago in the middle of the day. So I have known, we have known, our family has known for a long time that there is potential danger to our little dogs because they are like bait for these animals, especially the coyotes. After our friend's dog got killed by a coyote just a couple of weeks ago, and they lived just a few houses down from us, we decided that we were going to be a little more vigilant. So we weren't going to let the dogs out in the early morning hours or in the late evening hours because they're, those coyotes are mostly nocturnal. Sometimes we'll see them in the middle of the day, but they're mostly nocturnal. And so we thought, well, we'll keep the dogs inside during those times. Normally we have a doggy door that they have free access to the backyard. They can go in and out at will. But we tried to remember to close it at night so that we wouldn't have to watch them so closely. And then when they did go out, we'd try to go out with them and make sure that they were okay. Well, this kind of got to be kind of a tedious practice, especially when it's late at night and we're tired and these dogs, their favorite thing to do is go look under all of the bushes in our backyard and try to find rabbits and try to find rats. They've brought rats, they've brought mice, they've brought rabbits that they've killed and they left leave them in the house half with their heads off. I found a headless rabbit one time in my house, but they like to look for lizards. They are, they love to just be out there exploring all the time. And so trying to keep them inside all the time is a hassle because they want to be out always. But at night we were doing good for a while and then we got kind of lazy and we didn't want to just it was just annoying to go have to go outside right at night and follow these little puppies around and so we got a little less vigilant well just on friday night it was late my little dog named finn he's the smaller of the two he's not quite two years old he weighs about 10 pounds he was asleep right next to me on the couch and then the kids we have teenagers they were out late they got home just before midnight we were kind of talking to them and we were getting ready to go to bed and the doggy door had been left open and little finn goes out the doggy door coda our other dog follows him out they run to the back of the yard like they usually do when they're looking for animals right and not one minute later, we heard horrible, horrible screaming from Finn coming from the backyard. And Koda was just barking so loud. He was freaking out with his barking. And so I 
instantly was afraid I might know what was happening. And it had something to do with a coyote. So I refused to go to the back of the yard and I made my husband, Greg, go to the back of the yard and see what was happening with Finn. Well, he got back there. He was turning on lights as he went. And the back part of our yard is not visible from our back porch because it's kind of like an L-shaped and we and we can't see the back where Finn was. And so he walks out there and when he gets out to the back of the yard, the dogs both come running to him. And so he thought everything was okay. And we go back inside and it was immediately obvious that something was wrong with Finn. He was bleeding, he was shaking, and he would not let us touch him. If we tried to touch him at all, he would just bite. He was in obvious pain. And so we did not know what had happened. We didn't know if he had got bit by a snake. We didn't know if it was a coyote. We didn't know what had happened. And so we coaxed him into his crate and took him down to the 24-hour emergency um, hospital, animal hospital. And they whisked him back into the back and put us in a room. And there we waited for three hours until 3.30 in the morning. And they finally did all sorts of tests. They had to sedate him pretty heavily to even be able to handle him at all. And they determined that he had been attacked by something. They assumed it was a coyote. Um, he had several broken ribs, like crushed ribs. His chest was concave. Um, he had a major puncture wound to his chest and one on his neck as well. Um, the one on his chest, they were afraid that it might have punctured a lung because his oxygen levels were really low for a while. So they kept him overnight so they could monitor him. And the next day, his oxygen levels went back up. They were able to take him out of that oxygen chamber and, um, they just wrapped his his wounds real tight and sent him home with us. And we had our regular vet look at the x-rays and he said, this is classic coyote bite, coyote bite. He's lucky to be alive and it's just going to take some time for him to heal. So this cute little 10 pound puppy who is normally bouncy and bubbly and so energetic and excited is now completely sedate. We have him on so many pain medications because he can't even move without being in extreme pain. Now this tragedy is even more tragic because I knew there were coyotes in the neighborhood. I had seen them with my own eyes. I knew they had killed the dog just down the street and yet I stopped being vigilant. I was vigilant for a while. And then I stopped being so vigilant and I thought, well, we've lived here in this house for like eight years and nothing has ever happened to our dogs before. They're gonna be fine. It will be okay. I got lazy. I let my guard down. And then tragedy struck at midnight on a day just like any other day. What could I have done to prevent this? That has been plaguing me ever since as I see this dog just in so much pain and really, really lucky to even be alive. He has beat the odds. He should not have survived that coyote attack. Well, I could have been more vigilant. I could have watched him when he went outside at night. I could have made sure that I did all that I could to keep him safe but I didn't. I got lazy and now he is paying the price for my apathy, my laziness, my letdown of my guard. This reminds me of a scripture that is in 2 Nephi 28:21 that says, 
and others he will pacify and lull them away into carnal security that they will say all is well in zion yea zion prospereth all is well and thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them away carefully down to hell i had convinced myself that all was well all was well even knowing that there were predators roaming my neighborhood and that became a slippery slope of rationalization on my part until it was too late. Luckily, it looks like Finn will make a full recovery, though it will be long and painful. But it makes me wonder, how else might I be convincing myself that all is well, while the devil lurks in the shadows waiting to pounce? And in the meantime, he works on leading me carefully down to hell. In episodes 17 and 18 of this podcast, I went into discernment and how to tell truth from deception. I think I may have even quoted this very scripture, but I'm not going to belabor that idea here. I guess I suppose I am realizing that allowing Satan to lead me carefully down to hell is not always a matter of discernment. Sometimes it is a matter of laziness, apathy, or convincing myself that whatever spiritual risk I am consciously choosing to take will not really matter in the end. When I choose, for example, to consume media influences that I know do not invite the spirit into my life and maybe even drive it away, I am taking a calculated risk that those influences really won't affect me. When I choose to ignore the prophet's counsel to make time for scripture study and prayer every single day, I am taking a calculated risk that I will be able to survive spiritually without the blessings the Lord has promised to those who will make time for him every day. When I choose to believe that my spiritual foundation is stable while choosing not to nurture it with conversion building activities, I am taking a calculated risk that my testimony will not rapidly deteriorate as the prophet recently warned it would. When I choose to put my personal desires ahead of the Lord's commandments, I take a calculated risk that my personal desires, not the Lord's commandments, will lead me to the green pastures in which I want to be. Often, it is the small, conscious, spiritual risks that lead us, small step by small step, to places in which the Spirit cannot dwell. And all the while, we might think, all is well. All is well in Zion. I know what I'm doing. I can still see the iron rod. I may be holding on to it with one hand, but it's okay if I let go with the other hand for just a moment. This one choice doesn't really matter. There is no coyote here. One step leads to another, and that might lead to another. And perhaps we catch ourselves at some point and make our way back to the iron rod before we lose sight of it. Or maybe we continue making small choices that lead to other small choices that eventually drown out the still small voice of the Spirit. Carefully down to hell. So carefully, in fact, that we may not even realize what is happening until the damage has already been done. There is a Native American tale of an old rattlesnake who asks a passing young boy to carry him to the mountaintop to see one last sunset before he dies. The boy was hesitant, but the rattlesnake promised not to bite him in exchange for the ride. After that concession, the boy carried the snake to the top of the mountain where they watched the sunset together. Upon carrying the snake back down to the valley floor, the boy prepares him a meal and a bed for the night. In the morning, the snake asks, 
Please, little boy, will you take me back to my home now? It is time for me to leave this world, and I would like to be at my home now. The little boy felt he had been safe all this time, and the snake had kept his word, so he would take it home, as asked. He carefully picked up the snake, took it close to his chest, and carried him back to the woods, to his home, to die. Just before he laid the rattlesnake down, the rattlesnake turned and bit him in the chest. The little boy cried out and threw the snake upon the ground. Mr. Snake, why did you do that? I will surely die now. The rattlesnake looked up at him and grinned. You knew what I was when you picked me up. Sherry Dew, in a 2003 BYU speech, said this, God wants a powerful people. No one better understands that Satan is real and that he has power. No one better understands that none of us is smart enough or resilient enough to spar with Satan and survive spiritually. He is a snake in every sense of that word. Close quote. None of us are smart enough or resilient enough to willingly spar with Satan and survive spiritually. Yet most of us, including myself, are sometimes willing to take small, calculated risks and hope for the best. We are not always willing to, as King Lamoni's father was in the Book of Mormon, give away all our sins to know God. Sometimes we hold on to our favorite ones. Sometimes we pick up the snake knowing what he is. From Lehi's iconic dream in the Book of Mormon, we know that continually holding fast to the iron rod is what will keep us safe from the snakes and coyotes that attempt to lure us into their grasp and destroy us spiritually. We know from 1 Nephi chapter 15 that the iron rod is the word of God. David A. Bednar, in his April 2022 general conference talk entitled, But We Heeded Them Not, explained, Quote, one of the names of Jesus Christ is the Word. The teachings, as recorded in the Holy Scriptures, are also the Word. Let me suggest that holding fast to the Word of God entails, one, remembering, honoring, and strengthening the personal connection we have with the Savior and His Father through the covenants and ordinances of the restored gospel, and two, prayerfully, earnestly, and consistently using the Holy Scriptures and teachings of living prophets and apostles as sure sources of revealed truth. Close quote. Do we want a relationship with the Savior enough to continually hold fast to Him and His teachings? Do we desire spiritual safety enough to choose Him over entertainment, laziness, apathy, or other small and simple, seemingly harmless things that lead us carefully away from Him? And if we desire to forever bind ourselves to the one who can save us, even Jesus Christ, what are we willing to do to build that relationship? I have learned for myself at the expense of my puppy's safety that there are coyotes, both physical and spiritual, that lie in wait for us. They are cunning, vicious, and hold no regard for our personal or spiritual safety. There is a way to protect ourselves from them, but it does require us to be vigilant rather than apathetic. It requires us to choose the Savior every single day, holding fast continually to the iron rod that binds us to him and heeding not the distractions and temptations of the adversary. It requires us to refuse to allow the serpent to lead us carefully away from Christ by putting Christ and Christ only at the center of our lives. It requires us to stand with him today and every day from here to forever. That might sound daunting, 
and maybe even impossible, depending on where you are on your spiritual journey. But I promise that a life with Jesus Christ at the helm is within reach for all who desire it and are willing to put forth the effort required. As President Russell M. Nelson said, the Lord loves effort and effort brings rewards. If you wonder where to start or how to get going or what to do to forge an unbreakable bond with the Lord, I am ready and willing to help you, my friend. The Shine 40 Challenge I told you about at the beginning of this episode will provide a framework upon which you can build stronger faith. It will support you with structure, a supportive community, incentives, and accountability as you work to cement your relationship with the source of all power and light, even Jesus Christ. If you feel like you could benefit from such an experience, I hope you will sign up with the link in the show notes just below this episode. Doors are only open until midnight on Sunday, September 18th. I hope to see you on the inside so together we might stand a little more firmly on the covenant path. Thank you for being here, my friends, and I can't wait to see you back here again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepard. That's two N's, two P's and an A-R-D or at LynetteShepard.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again, and remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.